Good morning. I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship this day. Let us stand and sing together, surely the presence of the Lord. As we have just sung, we welcome the presence of the Lord in this place. We welcome Jesus as the light of the world to walk with us through all of life's journeys. Please be seated. Just a couple of announcements for today. Our prayer meetings will continue tonight at 7 p.m. The next church council meeting will be Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock here in the church hall. And the worship committee will meet beforehand at 6 o'clock. We only have one more Sunday service before we switch to our summer schedule. So next Sunday, we will worship here at 11 a.m. And then starting in July, we'll meet on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. And we'll talk on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night. We may have something special on our first night. Also, we received something very special in the mail this week. Um, as we all know, Harry Scott passed away this past winter, and Harry Scott has made uh, Carmen a priority in his life, a very generous man, and we received a check this week for over $46,000 in his memory uh, from, from himself. So we certainly continue to hold the family in prayer. And thank Harry for his steadfast commitment to our church, even though he wasn't able to be here very often at all. Strawberry tea tickets are available this Tuesday, July 11th. So if you need tickets, I think Grace, uh, Joyce has probably tagged every one of you so far today. But if you need more, you know where to go. So uh, $10 each. And I heard word that it's somebody's birthday today. Patricia, do you know whose birthday it is today? Happy birthday to you and me. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Any other announcements to share today? Yep, go ahead, Grace.
Anything else to share today? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, be the, usually, usually the evening we do the hauling party. Yeah. So usually around six o'clock or something like that. The hauling party. Yes. Yeah. Usually in the yeah on the tenth. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take latecomers. Yeah. If there's no other further announcements, let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. Our responsive psalm this morning is Psalm 116. I love you, God, because you heard my voice when I made supplication. Because you turned your ear to me when I called upon your name. The cords of death entangled me, and the pangs of the grave laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called upon the name of God. How can I repay you, God, for all the good things you have done for me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of God. I will pay my vows in the presence of all God's people. How can I repay you, God, for all the goodness you show to me? Precious is the sight of God. Precious in the sight of God is the death of the saints. O God, I am your servant. I am your servant, a child of your maidservant. You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And call upon the name of God. I will pay my vows to God in the presence of God's people. pray. Lord, we ask you to be with us today as we celebrate the wonders of your love. As we worship, may your Holy Spirit be with us today. As we sing our praises, as we offer our prayers, and as we share in your word. Bless us, O God, we pray. Amen. Our opening hymn is Though I May Speak.
reminded that uh, also upon being our last Sunday together for the summer months, that we are having a baptism next Sunday, and there will be a reception following, so some of you may get a call, just so you know. All right, let's have our scripture reading. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 9, verse, from 35 to Matthew 10, verse 8. Who is the greatest? After Jesus sat down and told the 12 disciples to gather around him, he said, If you want the place of honor, you must become a slave and serve others. Then Jesus had a child stand near him. He put his arms around Matthew 9:35. That's what she said. Okay, ain't right down here. Sorry about that. No, no, no I'm not. Yeah, wrong one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, and it's 10 down to. All right. Jesus has pity on people. Sorry about that. Jesus went to every town and village. He taught in their meeting places and preached the good news about God's kingdom. Jesus also healed every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. They were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, A large crop is in the field, and there are only a few workers. Ask the Lord in charge of the harvest to send out workers to bring it in. Jesus called together his twelve disciples. He gave them the power to force out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. The first of the twelve disciples were Simon, better known as Peter. His brother Andrew was an apostle, and so was James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus were also apostles. The others were Simon, known as the eager one, and as Judas, who later betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent out the 12 disciples with their instructions. Stay away from the Gentiles. Don't go to Samarian town. Go only to the people of Israel, because there are like a flock of lost sheep. As you go, announce that the kingdom of heaven will soon be here. Heal the sick, raise the dead to life, heal people who have leprosy, and force out demons. You receive without pay, not giving without being paid. Don't take along any gold, silver, or copper coin. And don't carry a traveling bag or an extra shirt or sandal or a walking stick. Workers deserve their food, so when you go to the town or a village, find someone worth, worthy enough to have you as their guest and stay with them until you leave. When, okay, when you leave. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let us pray. Lord, we gather today just happy to be in your presence with one another. We ask your blessing upon the service and the blessing upon my words as we gather to hear your word for us this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, Bev and I spent some vacation time together as we explored some of the most beautiful landscapes in Canada. We took a trip to Newfoundland. We traveled up the west coast and up to the top of the island and spent a few days in St. Anthony. And then we, on the way back, we stopped into the Grossmoor National Park, 
Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, our time in St. Anthony didn't quite go as planned. We had planned to go up there to take in their iceberg festival, or parts of it, to do some hiking, and to do some exploring of Bev's Norwegian roots, as to visit Glancel Meadows, the site of the Viking settlement there, where it's believed the Vikings first landed to make contact with First Nations people in North America for the first time. Now, it was all good, except for one thing. Fog. Lots and lots and lots of fog. And rain and wind. Now, we did get to explore Lancel Meadows. We had a lovely day there a couple times. We did take in a little bit of the festival, not a lot. Hiking was out of the question because of the rain. We're talking to locals, and they, some of the old fellows have never seen so much rain in their entire lives. It had just been raining for a week or more. And everything was literally a swamp. Even the moose had just water dripping off their heads. <laughs> there were roads being washed out in the area. It was just, just a bit of a mess at times. So while we didn't get to do our hiking, we also didn't get quite the iceberg experience we were looking for because of the fog. The fog made it impossible to see anything from the shoreline. And the boats weren't running because of the fog and the rain and the wind. The seas were quite choppy. We kept checking in at this one tour place, you know, checking to see if they were going out that day. And finally, one morning we showed up, our last day there. He said, if you want to see an iceberg, we'll take you for an iceberg. There's a couple that are close to the shoreline, two of them, and we can get out there without much trouble. But only be an hour. I said, we'll take it. So we went out and we saw, they weren't the huge, huge ones, but they were a pretty good size. One of them would have been about the size that took out the Titanic. So we did get to experience icebergs, and we did get to, Bev got to hold what they call a bergy bit. That's the chunks of ice that break off from the main and float in the water. Our tour boat captain scooped one up and we passed it around, those of us who were on the boat. So while it wasn't quite what we were expecting, we did get to tour that area of the province for a few days. And then on the way back, we stopped at Grossborn, and it is a beautiful, beautiful place. It is an important geological site in the history of the world. As there have been changes to the rock formations there that tell us the history of the area, but also tells us a lot about the geological formation of the world over the last billions of years. So it's quite a fascinating spot. As we were traveling about, we met lots of people from various parts of North America, as there seemed to be a lot of tourists in the area last week. And of course, they all went to places that were less foggy where we went, and they were talking about all the beautiful icebergs they saw. Well, good for them. <laughs> At least somebody saw some. Now that we're home, though, there are parts of that trip that will stick with me for a very long time. And one of which... You know, we expected to see beautiful landscapes and do fun things, but the last, one of the things we learned was a bit of a surprise. Last Saturday, one of the local United Churches was having a rummage sale. So we popped in just to see what was going on, and I said, can I get a tour of your church? They're like, you want to go upstairs? I said, yeah. I'm a United Church minister. I'd like to look around. As soon as I finished saying that, the kitchen emptied. The ladies all came running out with their eyes locked on me. Don't let them leave. <laughs> they haven't had a minister there in years. None of the local churches in that area have had a minister for years. 
So you kind of understand where they're coming from. And their desperation, really, it felt like desperation was heartbreaking as I talked to them. As you know, Newfoundlanders are known for being good people. And we certainly met a number of good ones on our trip. Those who go to that church, all they want is a minister to work with them, someone to journey with them. But the reality is there just is not enough ministers to go around right now. And there's not a lot who are willing to go to such a remote place. They told me that they had a minister for a long time, but he left a number of years ago because his wife got sick and she needed a specialist. If you need a specialist up there, you're looking at about a thousand kilometer round trip to get to a hospital that might have the specialist you're looking for. That would be the closest. So you can understand why people struggle to stay there for a long period of time. And there's also the winters. You really, really have to love winter from what I, what I was told. You need, you need to love the outdoors. I love the outdoors, but not so much in winter. I'm more of a summer-fall kind of outdoorsman. So as we talked with the ladies in the church, it's clear they just, they just want a minister, someone to be with them, someone to lead them, not only in worship, but in their work in the community. And these are the people I thought about when we read from our scripture reading today. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is when Jesus was talking to his disciples about how he saw people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, someone to lead them. The United Church of Canada has seen far more retirements from ministry than people going into ministry, from people being ordained. And then you add in the people who are leaving the church for other work, ministers. It's not hard to see we are in a crisis of leadership. There are many, many, many churches without a minister right now. And like those, like my new friends in Newfoundland, some are hard-pressed to even find one because of where they're located. Now, in 2011, I was invited to a clergy conference in Ontario. And while we were there, we told a story about how in the 1970s, there were a group of people who gathered together to pray for the next generation of leaders in the church. They prayed that God would raise up people who love Jesus to come and serve in God's church. And those of us who were there hearing the story, we looked around at each other and said, wow, we were all born in the 1970s. They prayed us into existence. Now, maybe it wasn't quite what they were looking for, but they had to wait a while. But they found us. They saw the answer to their prayers. And from that conference, we founded Crucifusion, the network of clergy that I'm a part of to across Canada who just simply want to lift up Jesus as Lord of the church. We... We started it because we wanted to keep in touch with one another. We wanted to keep getting to know one another. We wanted to grow together. And we also wanted to pray for the next generation of ministers in the United Church of Canada. So by my count, we maybe have another 10, 15 years, maybe, before we see the fruits of that prayer, if it is to follow a pattern from the 1970s prayers. Now, the church needs ministers, no question. The church needs leadership. And part of the problem boils down to the fact that the United Church of Canada does not do discipleship very well. It's not good. We've not been good as a denomination at raising up the next generation of leaders from our midst. People who are longing for more of the Lord. Now, the United Church of Canada turned 98 last week. 
And there's really some uncertainty about what it will look like when it hits 100 in 2025. We're not even sure it's going to be able to look like it does today because we're being told again that there needs to be serious budget cuts from our national body. And it needs to happen soon. Now what we need is we need a serious infusion of the Holy Spirit in our church. But not the denomination. We need it in our local churches. We need people who are hungering and thirsting for the Lord. We need people who are willing to stand up for Jesus and let him transform our church into what he has planned for it. But how do you get there? I've been involved talking to a lot of churches over the years. And you hear a lot of, well, we've always done it this way. You hear things like, we've tried something new before, it didn't work, so why try again? We have years of inertia of where where we just spent time just getting by. And it's hard to flip that switch. So we have to be willing to seek God and trust him to move us forward into the church he wants us to be, even if it's something we never expected. When we look at Jesus, we see he had a group of young men traveling with him every day. These were his disciples. And there are points where Jesus felt they were ready to do some work. And he gave them work to do. And we read of that, one of those examples today. We read where he gave them power. He gave them power over evil and unclean spirits. He gave them power to heal people. And then he sent them out. All 12 of them went out with some simple instructions to follow. He said, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Jesus told them to go out among the people, the Jews, and tell them that he is here. And at the same time, heal people as you go. Now you might wonder why Jesus said, don't go to the non-Jewish towns. Stay away from the Gentiles. Stay away from the Samaritans. And it's kind of a simple answer. It's to protect his disciples. Now Jesus got in trouble when he hung out with Samaritans and Gentiles because they weren't Jewish. But that was part of his plan. That was part of his work. That's what he had come to do. He understood the importance of reaching out beyond, to go wider. But he also knew what it would cost him. Now Jesus didn't want that kind of pain inflicted on his disciples before they were ready. They weren't ready yet. And he knew that they would probably be punished if they were caught. I think if we looked at those instructions Jesus gave and we thought about how they might sound today, I think they might sound something like, go to the lost sheep, all of them. And proclaim as you go, saying, Jesus loves you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out evil spirits. I give you this freely, so give to others freely. That's what I think it might sound like. Gone are the days where religions kind of kept to themselves. Protestants, Catholics, Jews, Muslims, and so on. Everyone is kind of one community. I mean, we go to school together, we work together, we shop together, we do everything together, except for maybe worship. And we do our best to get along. At least that's what I hope we're striving for here in North America and in the Western world. We see other divisions in other places. 
but here in Western, Western culture, we try to live together as one. We do acknowledge that there are differences in our beliefs, yet at the same time we try to live together in peace and love and understanding. Now, I'm not concerned with trying to convert people from other religions into Christianity. When I read of Jesus saying, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, I think he's given us enough of a target audience. We live in an area, even all of North America, where the vast majority of people claim some kind of Christian affiliation. Yet our churches are mostly empty. There are enough people who identify as Christian to keep us busy for a long time, trying to get them to know and meet Jesus Christ for themselves. We need to be willing to engage. We, we need to be willing to name Jesus as someone we stand up for, who is important in our lives. And we need to let him show us how to live as we seek to live in the world around us. To the disciples, he gave simple instructions. Proclaim, heal, cleanse, cast out evil. If you flip to other parts of the New Testament, Jesus adds, clothe, feed, love, serve, visit, and care. These are generally not hard instructions to follow, but they do require work. They require effort. They require passion. They require energy. They require money and time and space. We have some of those things, but not all. Some churches have energy and money, but they don't have the space. Some churches may have the space and the money, but they don't have the energy or the passion. And the reason why is it's complicated. But I think what the largest lacking piece is, from what I've witnessed in my years in the churches, what's lacking is the desire for prayer. Communal prayer is something we let go of a long time ago. Now, I know many of you offer your daily prayers, and that is important. Keep doing that. But there's also need for the church or churches to come together and pray together for the needs of those around us in the communities in which we live. Serving the community we live is not an individual effort. It takes a collective effort of many people. And the collective effort, I believe, begins with prayer. It is a group of people submitting to the authority of Jesus in prayer so that we can collectively hear what instructions he has for the church as a whole. So we can all be sent out to do God's work. The work God is calling us to do. The disciples, they had the, the pleasure of walking with Jesus side by side, down the roads and streets of their communities. Jesus could teach them. He could point out to them the needs of the people around them. He could instruct them what to do and what to say. We don't have that same luxury today. We can walk, we cannot walk with Jesus in the flesh, but we can walk with him in prayer. And Jesus will answer our prayers. Remember what Jesus said in a reading this morning, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is indeed plentiful. People all around us, they're looking for something. They're looking for something deeper, something meaningful in their lives. And they're looking everywhere. They're ready, I believe, to hear about the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But they don't know the church well enough to engage, to hear it. And as a result, our churches have struggled 
to find ways to engage in the community. So what does Jesus say to do about the struggles we face with this, uh, in the face of this? He says to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. God is the Lord of the harvest. He is the answer to the problem we face in our communities. And we need his help to go forward. We need his direction about how to send people out, the churches out into the community in order to bring in the harvest, the people who are hungering and thirsting for more meaning in their lives. God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus will lead us if we go to him in prayer. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer here together. And it's a time when we're going to pray for the needs of our community. It's a time when we're going to ask God to show us how to respond. And we're going to pray for God to renew our lives, our churches, and our community. We'll do pretty much all of this in silence. But if you wish to pray out loud, you may. If you want to name something you care about or something on your heart, please feel free to do so. Sometimes a spoken word will trigger something in someone else that the Lord may be trying to get through. First thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for ourselves. If we wish for God to heal our community, and then healing and renewal must begin first within ourselves. So Anthony, if you want to flip up the first one. So let us pray for ourselves. Let us spend a few minutes in prayer that God will cleanse our lives from sin, that he will cleanse us from our apathy, from our inaction, and that he will give us hearts that hunger and thirst for more of him, more of God's presence to be within us. So let us just pray for a few minutes on these things.
next thing we'll pray for is our church and all the churches in town and on the north side. We'll spend time praying for their ministers. We'll pray for the leaders of these churches, their boards or deacons or whatever. We'll pray for the people that call these churches their spiritual home. We pray that God will lead them and that God will create within all of us a desire and a, commu- and a hunger for more of him in our churches. So let us gather in prayer for our churches.
now we will pray for our community. We will pray for a deeper understanding of what are the greatest needs people face. We will pray for a deeper understanding of what people go through in their daily lives, their struggle, their pains, their longings. And we will pray how God may direct us to help alleviate and serve some of those needs, these burdens, as we seek to love them in the name of Jesus. So let us pray. Normally at the end of a prayer of time like this, I would ask you, what did you experience? What did you feel? That normally I would do with a smaller group. So as a, we are a larger group, it is difficult to do in a space like this. So if there is anything that you would like to talk about, uh, about your experience of this prayer, just feel free to call me or see me. And I'll be more than happy to talk about praying together as we did today. In closing our time of prayer, let us just spend a few minutes praying for the needs and concerns 
that we normally have for friends and for family, for our island, our province, our country, and for situations around the world. And I would invite you to offer those prayers out loud if you wish as we pray still now. Let us pray. As we hold all those we have prayed for in our hearts, whether it's silence or aloud, we pray for ourselves, our church, our community, and we pray for the world, those around us. As we bring these prayers before the Lord, let us pray together the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our next hymn is Jesus Shall Reign.
as we seek to do the Lord's work in the world that is around us, we understand that we have been gifts, given gifts and abilities and able to do that work. We have been given skills and hearts to serve and love those we seek to know in, our, in the world around us. So let us now bring to God our offering as we seek to honor God with all he has blessed us with as we seek to love and serve those around us. Our offering will now be received. you have blessed us abundantly with your love. In our appreciation of the gifts you give, we respond by offering all we have in the name of our risen Savior. Amen. Our closing hymn is, Lord, you give the Great Commission.
maybe go from this place empowered by the Spirit of God to do His work in this church, in our homes, and in our community. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.